Amen. We love the Goffs. I want Brother Goff to come. I want him to take his liberty tonight. Preach to me. Praise God. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. How many glad they came to the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. To feel the presence of God. Hallelujah. I thank you, Master, for what I feel. And I so appreciate knowing the truth. I'm so glad that we don't have to sit in a dead, dull, dry, boring church like Bishop talked about this morning. But we can come and create an atmosphere that's pleasing unto God. That goes according to His ordinances and His commands for us to worship Him. Amen. It's not our interpretation as Bishop showed us in Scripture. But I'm so glad to be a part of the apostolic church. Amen. That's thriving, alive. It's not going down, but it's growing. And it's in the will of God. Hallelujah. I am so glad to be a part of the truth church. Amen. God has been so very good to me. And I am very appreciative of this opportunity to be able to magnify and glorify him in truth. I have spent time on denominal church pews. Even though I grew up in an apostolic church all the days of my life, that does not mean that I left the apostolic faith, that God put me in certain situations to where I had the opportunity to try to reach and minister to those that did not believe truth. And God opened doors, and we're still teaching Bible studies today to some of those folks. And I ask God that he reaches down and opens their heart. Amen. We hear, we hear just about every excuse that, You've ever heard come across the pulpit of someone saying, well, I don't believe truth because that would mean my grandmother would not be saved today. And they ignore the word of God. You've heard it all as someone, if you've taught Bible studies, people trying to reconcile things within their mind. But I'm so glad that all of that was settled in my life long ago. He is the one we worship. And we do it through truth. We do it through the word of God. We do it according to his word, not according to man's word, not according to articles they wrote years ago, but the holy word of God was given to us to change our life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, I have coming out of left field tonight. I don't know. Acts chapter 4, be reading our text. And I just want God to have his way. I want to give honor to Bishop and thank him for allowing me to deliver the burden of the word that's upon my heart. And I give honor to the ministry that is represented in this church as well. The years of experience of men who's walked behind the sacred desk that we stand in front of today. And I so appreciate the opportunity. I know without a shadow of a doubt, there's a harvest in this land and it's going to be from the hand of his people and i'm just honored to be a part of the people that are going out working in the harvest field and laboring side by side i am truly privileged to be a part of the truth church i do not take it for granted but i am honored amen we're going to read in our text in acts chapter 4 and i'll give you just a brief background we find that Peter and John are arrested in the first part of the chapter. He, Peter preaches to the council. There's called into question the healing of a man. And they begin to talk about it. And 
Jesus Christ is preached without any shame, any um, regard to what the others thought, but it was Jesus Christ that was preached unto them by Peter. And there was a prayer for boldness that was made among the people. And Bishop spoke of that scripture of the collective voices that we heard in a church service came from Acts chapter 4. And at the end of the prayer, we see the Holy Ghost as they begin to entreat God for boldness to come upon them. God comes down and the Holy Ghost fills their hearts, begins to touch and minister to them and begins to do something amazing in their life. And that's all the way down to verse 31 where we'll pick it up. And it says in verse 31, And when they had prayed and the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that what of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had things, had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were professors, possessors of lands and, or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Amen. I want to preach the word that God has laid upon my heart, and tonight I want to deliver the word that God is looking for a Barnabas. God is looking for a Barnabas. If you can lay your Bibles down, asking God to touch us, I need the Lord's help tonight, and I need the help of his saints tonight. Let the word fall upon fertile ground. Let's lift our voices and pray unto him tonight. We love you, Savior. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Oh, hallelujah. I worship you, I worship you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. If I could lay a, a brief foundation, I promise to not be long tonight. But I want to deliver what God has laid upon my heart Reading through our text, we come across a man called Joseph, and he was named by the apostles as Barnabas. Thayers describes the name Barnabas as son of consolation or rest or son of comfort. We have the writer of Acts giving the interpretation of Barnabas in the verse 36 
but it gives us a little better view of who we are talking about. And the definition of consolation is comfort, alleviation of misery, or distress of mind, refreshment of mind or spirits. I'm here to tell you today that the church, as we sit in today, the body of Christ serving the God that has never failed us, the one who will always be there for us, he is our comfort. And thus, a byproduct of us being in the bride of Christ and a part of the church, when we come together, there is comfort in the house of God. There is peace just by being around God's people. But I want to look at his life as little bits of that we do know in Scripture and stay within the Word of God and talk about this man. He was originally named Joseph at birth, but as the portion of our text described, he was then called Barnabas. And we find there were other examples in the New Testament where men had their names changed because of their character or something that they had of influence or whatever it may be. Uh, we find that they, uh, when they realize his name of Joseph, or Joseph if you could say, they strongly felt that the name of Joseph, which means exalted, did not fit the man they called their brother. And the character of Barnabas exhibited must have been more fitting to one of consolation, a peace speaker. And we read in our text where he obviously owned land and the land that he had in the midst of the Holy Ghost being poured out upon those that were in Jerusalem and the boldness that came upon them. They, as Scripture says, they went and sold everything and made it all common, and there was none that lacked anything. But there is a passage of Scripture that's called out, and it makes mention specifically of Barnabas. And it calls him out by name. Others had sold land and others had sold houses. But for some reason, Barnabas was mentioned by name in the collective group of efforts that was made by the believers. We find that Barnabas was one that was referenced in Scripture because of what he did. We look at him having land. Now, it says in the text, it says that he was from the country of Cyprus. And obviously he was not from Jerusalem where he was born. We don't know where this plot of land was at. I've looked and tried to determine if there was anything that maybe tipped the hand of which direction this is. And Bishop, if you know, please tell me. But I've read in the scriptures where it talks about the inheritance that was given from the uh, father's side was not meant to be sold. So maybe there's an assumption that it was not from his inheritance. I don't know, but it would more so apply that maybe he had a parcel of land that was more than just a little stamp of land, but something of substance, something that meant something. But we know that he had it and he sold it. And that's the important part of why it is referenced in Scripture. He sold what he had. Knowing that he had the Lord Almighty as his inheritance, he sold it not to reinvest it in another parcel of land. But he invested in the church. 
He invested in what was right, what he seen was happening. He could see the hand of God moving among them. And he says, I want to be apart. I may be from Cyprus. This may not be my homeland, but I want to be a part of what's going on. One writer writes about this act that Barnabas did. It says Barnabas untangled himself from the affairs of life. I could sit there and preach upon that, but I don't feel like it's necessary. I want to focus more so as we get down into the message that God is wanting to challenge someone tonight. And I want to use the word us. God is wanting to challenge us. As our worship begins to be birthed within us, there's also then the opening of the heart to receive the word of God. The preached word of God has to fall upon the soil that will receive it. And as you ran the aisles and we shouted and lifted our voices and clapped our hands and sang songs and played tamarines and God's presence has been upon us all this day. It's so the word can make a difference in your life. This act that gave him, if you could say, an apostles award. It was to do what they had been called to do here on earth. He separated himself from the affairs of life and says, I have been called to do something greater. But Barnabas did not find salvation in that moment. He found selflessness. That is where he discovered who he was. That is who he says, this is who I want to be. He received the name of being one who was of comfort, one who could speak in times of no doubt tense situations and be able to dissolve the tension and be able to bring the angst down to a manageable level. And we find in scriptures, and we'll get to it here in a moment, where Barnabas played a key role. No doubt we've heard of him talked about when you associate him with Paul or Saul, if you could say in the very beginning, and then transition to Paul and Barnabas. But you find that he was a very integral part of the church of Antioch. And it was his mission to go there and preach Jesus Christ to them. He had no need for that parcel of land. You see, it unleashed him when he was able to say, I don't have to worry about the taxes on it. I don't have to worry about mowing it. I don't have to worry about maintaining it. I don't have to worry about someone doing something to my land. I'm cutting all ties. And I'm securing myself to the kingdom of God. It was a commitment that was deep and meaningful. That is why Barnabas is mentioned. He goes on to do things that we'll talk about here in scripture. We see this is showcased. Barnabas's character is showcased in scripture. In the early parts of Acts where we see Saul, the persecutor of the church, is converted on his way and he begins to see a light from heaven. And as Saul is persecuting the Jewish believers, we find that when Saul came in the midst of them after his conversion, he's rejected by the church. They are afraid of of Saul. And Saul was their persecutor. 
He was their thorn in the side of the church. He would be, as I know, boy, I can name some names of people that try to just cause problems among the church that are outside the walls and they get disgruntled and they don't want to line up to the word of God and so they decide that social media is their pulpit for them to blaspheme the church and blaspheme God and and they use that as their bully pulpit to draw others out and to push others away from the church and it's all upon them and that could be for this church the people that run their filthy mouth and they could be the thorn but what a day it will be when they walk through the doors of this church and they kneel down at an old-fashioned altar, they will be in the same situation that Saul was in. It is upon the church of the living God to live according to his word and do what Barnabas did and say, I can vouch for them. They are my brother. You see, Saul was their persecutor. He was in the midst of them. Those, the church that was trying to be stood up in the New Testament. And the conversion of Saul was a challenge to the church because it was pushing them far beyond their comfort zone, quite literally. No doubt there are people that have lost loved ones and Saul's name came up in the conversation. No doubt there were loved ones and we see it talked about of Stephen. The church loved Stephen. They were affectionate towards Stephen. He was effective in the kingdom of God. He'd done the work of the kingdom. But yet it's talked about and we read about in, the, in Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 7. We read about what happened to him and Paul, or Saul, was, uh, uh, was in that same sitting holding the cloak and we find these things happening and, and it's just probably some things that welled up inside of him saying, Saul, you mean the Saul, Saul of Tarsus? That Saul? My grandmother's no longer here because she said she believed in the Christ and Saul made sure that he took care of her. He bound her and took her before the accusers and she was executed. That's the Saul I know. And you say he is trying to come in and be among us? No doubt they said their blood is on his hands. There was passion. There was people that were fleeing for their lives. No one harassed you on the way to church. No one went and interrupted your Sunday afternoon nap. No one went in and threw food and persecuted you at your Sunday afternoon lunch. But this is the church that was being persecuted every day relentlessly. The enemy was upon their heels and they're having to say and, and hide and find a way to get away from everything in life just to say the name Jesus. In Acts chapter 9, we have the conversion story of Saul. As God smites him down and blinds Saul, God sends him to Damascus, and he is to meet with a man called Ananias. There's a lot of things that happen there, but we see that God speaks to Ananias. And there's immediate concern from Ananias for his safety. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. 
And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and he hath seen a vision, in a vision, a man named Ananias coming, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive sight. Can you imagine from Ananias's position, here he is having a vision from God, and he is being told about one called Saul of Tarsus, the one that no one probably even had to put Tarsus at the end of it. Everybody knew about Saul. But God gave very detailed instructions as he talks to Ananias. He tells him where to go, where, who to go visit, why he's going there, and what he's supposed to do when he gets there. I wish, I wish God would give us that same level of instructions in life sometimes. I wish he would be ever so clear, but be careful what you ask for. Because God sent Ananias in the presence of Saul, the persecutor. But there was a purpose. And you find the response from Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and verse 13. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by, heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints of Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name, whose name, that's the name of Jesus. But God reveals the plan for the future church. In plan, he chose Saul. He says, a chosen vessel that will take the gospel message before the Gentiles. He will take it before kings, and he will take it before the Jews in verse 15 but the Lord but the Lord said unto him go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said Brother Saul, he was calling him brother in faith. He believed in the promise that God had given him. God, you gave me a vision. You told me what to do. You told me what to say. You told me why I'm there. He walks in and says, Brother Saul. He had more acceptance in that very act of faith than most churches today. You have someone walk in and have a little pep in their step. They don't know who they are, but they got the great squinch eye on them. Whose church are they from? Do they really have the truth? Now I understand we must have ourselves proven before God. But Ananias had great faith. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus. That's interesting because he calls out the name who Saul was known to be persecuting, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way that thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was 
baptized. You see, Ananias agreed to the plan of God. He walked into Saul's house with a mission in mind. I have been sent by God to confirm what happened to you and to share this opportunity of being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, Saul was strengthened after this moment, and he began to receive his sight. He began to eat and was strengthened. And the first thing he does in Damascus is preach Christ. But he doesn't sit there in his room that he's been sitting in his house. The house of Judas, the place where Ananias is the one who went and knocked on his door and entered in. Saul went straight to the synagogue. The place that he would go and persecute any who would come in there and do the very same thing that he did. He took the message of Jesus Christ straight to the Jews. Straight to the people of the rulers of the synagogue. He took it straight to his old boss and preached in the only saving name, the name of Jesus. Can you imagine the jaw drop that happened in the synagogue when they herald him of coming in? Oh, he's one that's protecting the integrity of our Jewish culture. He's protecting the Old Testament. He's protecting and he's keeping those fanatics, Bishop, those that believe in Jesus Christ. He's keeping them at bay. But he walks into the synagogue and he begins to preach Christ. The Jews, they were ready to kill him. He went from hero to zero in the first message he preached. He went from one who they said, oh, come on in, Saul, to say, get out of here, and we're coming after you. What's interesting is the people he persecuted, the disciples that were now calling him, few of them called him brother, helped him rescue, get rescued, and they took him to the walls of the city. And they lowered him down the walls of Damascus in a basket. And so a man that persecuted the church and no doubt caused other Christians to escape the same way did find out exactly how the church was getting away from him and his persecution. And he finds himself outside the walls of Damascus. He escapes and he comes to the believers in Jerusalem. And we find the dialogue in Scripture says they were afraid of Saul. They were convinced that Saul was there trying to trick them into letting him in and find out where the rest of the believers were located. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he is saved to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And believe not that he was a disciple. The exchange that occurred next in is, is in an area that I want to draw your attention. All of the backstory, all of what I've said leading up to this point is to bring us to where we find Saul and Barnabas face to face. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 27. But Barnabas took him. He had confidence just like Ananias did. Barnabas 
took him. Now, there is some commentaries think that maybe, maybe Barnabas had a history with Saul. Maybe they were taught by the same teacher. Maybe they had some schooling time together. I don't know. I only know what the scripture says before us today. That Barnabas took him. Let that sink in for a moment because Barnabas believed Saul's conversion story. Here you have Saul running for his life from Damascus. He runs into Barnabas who he believes, who believes everything that Saul is telling him. And Barnabas vouches for Saul by placing his very own reputation on the line. But little did anyone realize the day that Barnabas took this brave step, he was freeing the pen of the apostle Paul that would begin to pen the scriptures that we have before us today and can read from every day we get up, every night before we go to bed. We can read the words that were unlocked because of Barnabas. He authored one third of the New Testament. But he was given street cred. He was given, he was given somebody that stood up and says, let me go talk to him. We'll finish the rest of verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. Not Barnabas, but, but Saul. And that he had spoken to him. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. What you had was Barnabas listened to his testimony. Barnabas didn't blow him off and say, I've heard about this guy named Saul. He's persecuted my brothers and my sisters. He's no doubt impacted me personally. But he sit down and says, I want to hear your story. I want to hear what you have to say. It was after Barnabas presented the case of Saul to the disciples that he took him in as a brother. And Saul preached boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. It was without fear and trembling. He preached to the Jews in Jerusalem. And then he preached to the Jews that were living among the Gentiles that spoke the Greek language. Saul did not limit the reach of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was put deep within his heart on the very day of his conversion. And in the death threats that Saul faced, he still preached the word. Because there's no doubt the man that rained persecution down on the followers of Jesus Christ, he spoke that same word with boldness. Now you may wonder, Brother Goff, where are you going with this? I'm not going to preach a doom and gloom message of how you are going to have the persecutor of the church walk through the doors and he's going to rain down fire and he's going to try to destroy every soul that's here and he's going to ask you who you believe in and do you believe this or do you believe that and you have to make a stand. But what I want to draw our focus in on is Barnabas. In verse 31, you will see something that happened because of Barnabas. In verse 31 of Acts chapter 9, then had the churches rest. It was because Barnabas says, 
Tell me your testimony. Tell me what really happened because you believed in Jesus Christ. The churches had rest. And it says throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walked walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. You see, the very man that persecuted the church and drove them out of Jerusalem and out of the hotbed of the pouring out of the Holy Ghost and spread believers all across the nations around them was standing there and it's because of Barnabas brought peace to a situation. Because Barnabas brought consolation to a situation, the church had rest. It was because he did not let his anger get in the way of a soul. The church found rest. But it doesn't stop there. They found revival. It says at the end of that scripture, and it says they were multiplied. That means that you can trace back great revival. And no doubt, I'm not trying to diminish the ability of God to work in somebody else's life and to fill that gap. But what we do know, there is no more what ifs. What we do know, Barnabas was the man. It's in scripture, Barnabas was the man. And God is giving a challenge tonight. He is looking for more Barnabas. He is wanting more of them to stand to their feet and begin to hear the testimony, willing to teach the Bible study, willing to look past all that these people have done, willing to look beyond the facade, willing to hear them, willing to work with them, willing to not give up on one soul. You see, the whole dialogue we have between Barnabas and I won't spend time on it, just reference it here. The whole dialogue between Barnabas and Paul about, was it John Mark? The one that was wanting to travel with him. He went on one journey, turned around and went back. There was another journey they were wanting to go on. And we find that Barnabas and Saul, they separated two titans in the kingdom of God. Two heavyweights, if you could say, in the kingdom of God. But they didn't let the kingdom suffer from it. What we find is, it was just the character of Barnabas. I'm not going to give up on John Mark. I don't care if he's family or not. I'm not giving up on John Mark. But you have the tenacity. You have the, the aggressiveness of Paul at this point. Where he's saying, it's either right or it's wrong. I don't want him slowing me down. But you have someone like Barnabas saying, I've sold everything. I'm in it to win it. I'm only here to see the kingdom of God going forward. And they go their ways. And history, as documented in scripture, finds that, saw that Paul once again calls for John Mark he had become an anchor for the church. You see, saints of God, never, ever, ever give up 
on a soul. Never, ever, ever give up on a soul. But the only way you'll be able to do it is if you emulate Barnabas. I will give up everything for a soul. I will walk away from everything so I can see someone who may have persecuted the church, but he's got a testimony. And I will put my arm in his and I'll say, hey, I may just be a disciple. And I know you changed my name, but I'm going to walk according to my name. And I want you to meet my brother Saul. Let me tell you what happened to Saul. He had a light from heaven and a voice spoke from him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he was blinded and he fell to the earth. And God spoke to him and he told him what he wanted in his life. And we had Barnabas that stood there and says, I believe that God's wanting to do something in your life. Now we can't get hung up on backslidden children. We can't get hung up on family members that's walked out of this church. What we can get hung up on, a single soul. Barnabas, his love for a soul to be the one who stepped into a chaotic moment when everybody else says we're afraid of this man he stepped up and says you don't understand I was made for this moment I have nothing to lose come here Saul tell me about your testimony tell me about what you want to see God do in your life oh you haven't been baptized in Jesus name we'll baptize you in Jesus name you may run into those very same people and you go in and sit down at Panera Bread you invite them to church and they say well I have spoken tongues but I was baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's not upon us to say, well, one day you'll find truth. No, you are the Barnabas. You are the one to sit there and say, listen, oh, you know, the, the secular church is talking about the journey. The trip you went on today brought you to your destination. I'm here to tell you about the apostolic truth. And the church had rest. Because Barnabas. You see, the impact didn't stop there. The impact of Barnabas went on. Stephen was stoned. The church is scattered. And we read in Acts chapter 11, begins to tell the message taking place in the cities of those that had fled began to hear about Jesus Christ, and began to tell others in those Gentile cities, going back and talking about the other people that were in the synagogue, telling them, oh, there's this man called Jesus Christ. And when word was spread from those far-reaching journeys, and it made it all the way back to Jerusalem, I believe their pastor James, he says, send Barnabas. There was no other candidate that was considered, it says in Scripture, when the need was presented and the gospel message was needing to be anchored deep within. 
those cities. Deep within those souls that were hungry, it was sin Barnabas, the man who speaks peace. I remember hearing a preacher stand behind the sacred desk and begin to tell the story of his life and how he began to draw closer to God. And he began to tell the story how he came into church and all the things of life that troubled him and God began to change his life. He said, but, and he didn't use these words, I'm going to just tell you about the individual. Highly intelligent. Highly intelligent. And he says, I could get in a conversation and I would pride myself in how I would be able to just destroy somebody with words. Yeah, I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but my intellect afforded me a vocabulary that I could go in and just dice someone to pieces because it was here and not all the way here. And he says, there came a day when I felt conviction, when I walked away and I said, look at what I did to them. They thought they could argue with me. But I began to shred them with my intellect instead of loving them with his heart. And he said, God, change my heart. Let the words that come from my mouth only edify. Let me become like Barnabas, the one who speaks peace. And as he sent, we read in Acts chapter 11, in verse 22, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, and that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the word. He was being there as a mentor, the man of God, bringing the message of Jesus Christ to further solidify what they had heard. And he's saying, I want you to cleave to our Savior. And the Bible describes Barnabas even further. For he was a good man, in verse 24, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added, was added unto the Lord. God is calling for a church to follow the example of Barnabas. The Catholic Church has placed him in sainthood. But the message tonight, I'm just presenting a man who gave everything to serve in the kingdom of God and is an example for us today. He was only a man. And when I say us, it truly is us, myself included. God wants everyone to answer the call tonight. If we could just be like Barnabas, it would pull us out of a desire that says my eyes are fixed on these things 
My heart is influenced by the ebb and flow of these things. But God's saying, listen, I want you to follow Barnabas. I want you to get rid of everything. In your heart is a fire sale tonight. In your heart is, God, search my heart. I want to give you all of me so I can have everything that you have for me. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, if you have any questions about what you have experienced in your path of salvation, we're here tonight to extend to you this opportunity by a house full of people that believe just like Barnabas believed. Every soul matters. Soul received and preached, and it's available tonight, the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the first portions of Acts, we read the Jews receiving the Holy Ghost, but it's not limited to just them. We can read on in Acts chapter 10, where the Holy Ghost is poured out on the Gentiles and Cornelius and his house were saved by the very same method that we believe and follow today. You know why? It's because it's what was preached by the apostles in the book of Acts. It was what was told and we find that came from the very same lips of Jesus Christ when he instructed them to go to Jerusalem until they be endued from with power from on high. It was that repentance baptism and infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's not just getting wet. It's being baptized in the name of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, regardless of your status, whether or not you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, you will never fulfill your calling until you embody the example that Barnabas showed us. Give him everything if you need salvation you have to get on your knees you have to lift your hands and your heart unto him and give him everything and if you've been filled with the holy ghost you've surrendered your life to god but we have this habit of picking things up and saying oh that's neat oh that's that's pretty cool and we put it in our pocket and it weighs us down The moment you put something in your hands, the moment that you reach down and grab it, guess what you give? Importance to it. The moment that you stop picking up this, something else is easy to grab it, and it becomes important. But I can tell you the weights of this world, they are so hard to bear. But the ones that Jesus talked about, oh, they're easy. All you got to do is just give them to him. All you have to do is give him everything. And we're all here tonight because we want God to do something more in our life. Nobody's here because you're satisfied with doing nothing, being nothing, achieving nothing. We all want to press on and we all want to fulfill the word of God that he wants to do in our life. He wants us to care about every soul. 
We are to humble ourselves before God. And it's not so that we be lifted up, but it's so that he understands where our allegiance lies. So that then he will exalt you. Now, he gives unto us salvation. And I have just a one verse of scripture left to read. If the musicians would come. But I want to make a clarifying statement. Until you give everything to God, all you have is potential. And you could look at it this way. He has so much potential. She has so much potential. I don't want to stand on the day of judgment and think to myself, I'm bringing so much potential to you, God. Look at what you gave me. So much potential. You have the capacity to be Barnabas. All you have to do is give everything. That's all it takes. Give everything. Last verse of Scripture as we stand tonight. In Acts chapter 10, we see the example of Cornelius. And it says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. For the hungry and the thirsty for more, I will extend the same invitation that was given to the eunuch. Here is water. What doth hinder thee? I extend an opportunity for you to have your life forever changed by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now you may think there's no one here today that everybody's got it together and it's to a T. But Bishop can probably testify as well as I. I remember preaching a message and it was nobody would it seem would apply. And I wondered, God, who is the message for? I'm just going to deliver what you laid on my heart. And the very next service, someone walked in and sat down and said, I was listening online. When you gave the invitation for backsliders to come in, and I haven't been in church in many years, but I'm wanting to come back to God. Guess what? That person is still in church. And a few years ago, they walked in and they sat on that second pew. And it's Sister Kathy, who lived just a few blocks from this church, who I used to go to church with years ago. And she said, I heard you say, come back home. 
Now you may think this doesn't apply to anyone, but I want to challenge you. Have you done everything that Barnabas did? Because from the actions of Barnabas, a soul was accepted in to be a brother. The church had peace and revival. It was because of his ability to walk in truth and be that consolation. Instead of getting wrapped up in the drama, he stepped in and said, Hey, everybody, let me tell you his testimony. God done a work in his life, and I can testify to the change. Saints of God, God is calling you to a place of peace. But not only for your life, but it's so you can share it to others. It's for us. God has given you an opportunity this, this evening to find that place of selflessness so that you can exhibit the behavior that Barnabas did. But he did nothing new. Because Jesus Christ gave the ultimate example when he laid himself down on an old rugged cross and sacrificed himself. Barnabas gave of his personal possessions and gave of his life. And we don't know how he died. History has different opinions. But what I do know, he never gave up on a soul. When he was preaching in the hotbed of revival at the church of Antioch, he's preaching the word and it's going forth and lives are being changed. He says, I must go get Saul. And he leaves and he goes get the soul that everybody else says, I'm afraid of him. But he says, Saul, come with me. You got to see this. You got to see the revival that's taking place. And the Bible says they labored together for a year in revival because Barnabas never gave up on the soul. He says, I'm here to tell you, Barnabas, Ananias called you brother in faith, and we accept you. And what's interesting, the verses of Scripture start out by saying, Barnabas and Saul. And as you progress through the relationship, it then turns to Saul and Barnabas and Paul and Barnabas. The teacher steps to the side and says, there's somebody who was made for this moment. And he allows him to be recognized before himself. Saints, it is about others. But in order for that to happen, there has to be the selfless act to the words that come so quick to your mind. But they should come from your heart. How can I get salvation to this person? How can I share truth with this person? How can I build them up in the kingdom of God instead of tearing them down in this world? Saints of God, I open these altars this evening. God is calling for a Barnabas. He's wanting us to never give up on a soul. They may not ever answer a text again. Keep reaching.
They name never except a Bible study. Keep praying. Keep praying. Tell them, reaching, trying to get them to come to the house of God. God is wanting each and every one of us to give everything to Him so that we may be able to be peace. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our heart unto our Savior tonight. I believe God is pulling on some hearts tonight. God is calling you to a deeper place.